Penelope went to church every Sunday. She even volunteered with the bi-weekly trips to the food bank. After almost 28 full years of giving God more than enough glory and putting the congregation before her own interest virtually every time, she died. On the third day of August, Penelope and her boyfriend of five years, Denny, were driving back from a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. He was the DD. She was blasted. It was Dave Matthews, and she always got slammed when they played. You can buy full bottles of wine at the bowl, after all. They made their way to the castet that is almost any parking situation in L.A., strapped in their seatbelts, and headed back to the O.C. Right about the time they were making the change from the 101 to the 5, a bright blue Mercedes made contact and spun them like a little matchbox. And after a few tumbles, the two lovers reached across to grasp hands one last time as their very brief existences were expunged. The next thing they knew, they were in a vast expanse of formless space. Well, the two of them and Gabby Rella. As it turned out, the world-famous pop star and sex symbol was the one driving the Mercedes that night. Penelope could only assume that she was on some kind of designer narcotic cocktail at the time, and it was a miracle, there was definitely a better word for it, that she had made it all the way from the Hollywood nightclub to that particular interchange in one piece. She must have been zooted out of her mind, too, because her home was in Calabasas, and the spot of the crash was about 15 miles in the opposite direction. These things always seem to go this way for her. Anyway, it went. Penelope, Denny, and Gabirella found themselves void of their mortal coils and without a clue as to what might happen next. Naturally, Penelope was already peeved that she didn't get to die with her love, but in a group with him instead. Things did not improve when GR insisted on sticking with them as they navigated the early stages of life's postscript. Denny didn't mind at all. In fact, he was more than happy to share his theories on the afterlife with a gorgeous celeb, surprising Penelope because he never wanted to talk about these things during the Bible studies she always had to force him to attend. Fortunately for Penelope, before they became too comfortable, a figure appeared. The child approached the trio, wearing nothing more than some very comfy-looking jeans. He introduced himself as Matt and told them straight off the bat that they made it. After a solid job on Earth, they had earned the right to partake in paradise for eternity. He said he could answer questions if they like, but since time is immaterial in the afterlife, most just dive in and figure it all out. The only thing they might want to know before they enter is that one can change to any form one likes. For example, he died when he was 98, colon cancer, and he chose to inhabit the form of his 8-year-old self, since those were what he felt were his best years. Of course, they can switch whenever they felt like it, They'd soon find that rules weren't really a thing around here. Still holding hands, both Denny and Penelope looked at each other and conveyed that they were fine as they were in their sprightly, youthful forms. When pressed, GR simply stated that she had literally just had her boobs redone, so she would like to remain in present form as well. Penelope's church was led by a tall preacher by the name of Cutter. Reverend Cutter was beloved by his congregation, many of whom drove from miles out, not only for his sermons, but also for the Bible studies and volunteer excursions. Cutter was a centrist in terms of his faith. He definitely spoke of hell and such, but he chose to spend the lion's share of his limited time on the pulpit speaking of the splendors of life and those that awaited the righteous in the land of milk and honey. 
Penelope loved when he went on his streaks of explaining as best as he could the bliss that was eternity with the Lord. He always prefaced it with saying that, of course, he was only speaking vaguely, having never been himself, but it certainly would be worth any and every suffering on earth. That was indisputable. Penelope remembered specifics like how all her friends and family that had passed would be there, pets as well. There would be no such thing as being tired or irritable or moody. It would be warm elation at all times. The Lord's presence would be unlike anything they had ever felt on earth. It would surpass one's first kiss, one's wedding, the birth of one's children, one's children's weddings, anything. All would pale in comparison to the joys and comforts of true paradise. What a goddamn liar. It was bad enough that they had to die together. But Penelope quickly learned that specifically because they passed under the same circumstance, they had forged some sort of cosmic connection, which she could only pray would not extend for all eternity. Denny led the way as they began to explore what he shrewdly referred to as juiced-up Disney World. It seemed that there were endless attractions that one could just embark upon any moment one liked. They were initially very reluctant to enter any of them, and it was actually GR who spurred them into the first. She screeched when she saw one that gave her a chance to see the Rolling Stones perform in concert. And not just any concert, either. The 1969 Altamont Speedway performance, in fact. Penelope had no clue, but the Altamont Free Concert was one of the most iconic moments in music history. Often referred to as Woodstock West, the massive event saw over 300,000 people gathered to see, among others, Santana, Jefferson Airplane, and of course, the Stones. Danny didn't know any of this either, but as soon as GR jumped toward the entrance, he followed. So Penelope had no choice but to tail as well. As her boyfriend and the bimbo rocked out, Penelope couldn't help but think of a certain Rolling Stones song about sympathy that would make it very much a conflict of interest for them to book a gig like this in heaven. Not to mention the whole premarital relations, drugs, and rock and roll thing. Watching the gap-toothed junkie that ended her life rock her head back and forth while simulating devil horns by pulling her middle and ring fingers down and letting her index and pinky rise, she started to wonder if there was a manager or something she could speak with, if for nothing else, just to get a better grip on what exactly was happening. The thing was, outside of Matt, there were no angels, saintly types, ushers, or anything like that here. In fact, the people weren't even like here. No one looked in her direction, or made any kind of note of her presence, which she at first assumed was what heaven was because she hated being stared at or bothered when out in public. But now, she needed literally anybody to give her some kind of insight. Well, anyone but these rock and roll heathens. After they had their fill, ending the night by storming the stage and enduring Gabriella duetting with that filthy man Mick Jagger, the trio exited and looked for something else to do. Penelope grabbed Denny's hand and held it tight in hopes that her slower pace would drag him back as well. When she had created enough space between them and GR, she asked if maybe they should do something with just the two of them now, or just do that exclusively from now on. Denny replied that since time was not an issue here, that would be fine, and that was all Penelope needed to yank him in the other direction and roll into whatever the closest attraction was. Penelope much preferred this one because it was so simple. Nothing more than a slightly crowded ice rink. Now, 
She did not know how to skate, but as expected, as soon as she hit the ice, she glided flawlessly around the facility. After a few laps, just in the enjoyment of this new skill and its completely unearned sense of accomplishment, she skated back to Denny and once more grabbed his hand. Denny asked her how she was liking heaven, and after fighting the urge to shrug off her disappointment, she came clean and told him that it was really nothing like Reverend Cutter had described. Denny assured her that it was still new and they'd get the hang of it soon enough. Surely she wasn't expecting trumpeting angels and people dressed in white robes and halos. Penelope decided it was best to not state that Denny's description was exactly what she had expected. Instead, she told him that as she hung upside down in the car, feeling her busted bones and punctured organs, and coming to terms with the fact that she was not going to walk away from this wreck, she was elated. Then when she saw that Denny was already well on his way to the promised land, she couldn't contain her smile despite the pain it cost to show it. She had gone to church every single Sunday, done the whole volunteer thing, and had made more than enough investments into the Jesus Bank to easily withdraw one ticket to heaven. On top of all of this, she wouldn't have to wait for the love of her life to join her because they were perishing simultaneously, which was something she had prayed for so, so much. Yet now, it seemed like all she was doing was third-wheeling, and she would be doing so indefinitely. Denny immediately shot down her worries and said that even if all three of them died together, it was the two of them who entered heaven hand in hand, just like they were right now. Though she did blush at his words, she was still unconvinced. She took a beat before slowly inquiring if he really thought this was all heaven was. Before he could answer, Gabriella skated up next to them, wearing a very low-cut crop top because apparently ice didn't need to be cold in heaven. She butted in and spoke of how cool this was, just like it was in Milwaukee or something. Honestly, Penelope could barely understand her half the time because so much slang tainted her diction. What kind of unholy act was going ham, exactly? Before she could get a word in, GR challenged them to a three-lap race and took off, naturally being tailed by Denny immediately. Penelope half-assed her way around the rink until finally the two were coming up on her, threatening to put her lap down. Her mind began to wander as she heard her lover and the overrated auto-tune machine laugh and tease as they came up full speed behind her. Then, as they got close enough, she heard a new voice. This one was so clear and succinct. In fact, it was her voice. Turn around and trip the bitch. Maybe she'll die again and go somewhere else. This, of course, was when she realized... She was definitely not in heaven. Back when Penelope and Denny had only been dating for about six months, she hadn't even let him French yet. There was an innocent-ish moment that could probably be retroactively upgraded to traumatic now. She had come over to his house to give him an edible arrangement in celebration of him doing a bang-up job of being her boyfriend. She wanted to surprise him, so she gave no notice. His parents opened the front door as silently as they could, and Penelope crept her way up the stairs toward Denny's room. In any other circumstance, she would have of course knocked, but she was so giddy with excitement and the thrill of what he looked like upon seeing his gorgeous girlfriend holding his absolute favorite treat that she quickly grabbed the knob and flung the door open in one rapid movement. What she found was her bow with his hand cupping an old sock over his own knob goofishly trying to shut off the Gabriella music video playing on the screen. 
After the rink, Denny said he wanted to find some place with some sports to watch. Maybe they could even find Super Bowl I. Of course, Denny knew that GR was from Wisconsin and would also like the idea of seeing the Packers play and win such a memorable game. So, Penelope burst out into a rant about how much she hated football, which was a flat lie for the soul who could explain to a four-year-old when and how a Tampa 2 defense should be implemented. Penelope was so depressed that she missed the irony and horror of the fact that it was impossible to be so tired of a place where time didn't exist. Every attraction was the same, Something she hated, yet GR and Denny had such a blast. She almost wished he would just put his warm, soft hands on her plastic chest and just bang her already, since that's obviously what they both wanted to do. For all eternity, it seemed. The limbo of it all was almost more taxing than the act itself. Why was this happening to her? She had already confirmed that although Denny, with his pretty lit up hazel eyes all over that whore, had reached Nirvana, she was in some kind of personalized hell. But why? It was right at this moment that she saw Matt again. Not wanting to bring GR further into her business, she crept away from the two and boldly asked the child, what the hell was going on? A poor choice of words, she realized in hindsight. He looked up at her with his disproportionately sized eyes and told her she must know. She replied that she certainly did not. The child then cracked a smile that pushed his chubby cheeks even chubbier and told her to start by thinking back to the crash. She did her best to remember what she could have possibly done that night to deserve such a fate. However, truth be told, she didn't have many memories of that night, what with the two or three bottles of wine she downed before Matthews and the gang even hit the stage. From there, she remembered walking down that god-awful hill with Denny. He was holding her up, and maybe she was singing, or was it yelling? Then there was the parking lot, definitely yelling there. Someone was checking out Denny, she assumed. Why is she remembering being behind the wheel? It was Denny's car they took, and she didn't drive that night. She couldn't have. Right? And just like that, it all came back to her. She remembered cursing at the people behind her after they politely asked that she consider not standing up during the entire performance. She also relived knocking the beer out of the woman's hand who had accidentally bumped into her on the way to the ladies' room, then accusing another stranger of touching Denny and trying to steal him from her. It went on like this as she recollected speaking exceedingly of the stench of some of the homeless people who showed up to the various charity events of her past. There were also the times when she flipped the sign closed at the diner when there were still 15 minutes left, and she saw a family of what she described as troublemaking African-Americans getting out of their car in hopes of a late dinner. Finally, she got back to the moments before her death. She had hassled Denny to let her drive his car, despite an ungodly blood alcohol level. This included slapping him right across the cheek, then calling him a little bitch when his eyes started to water. She managed to get onto the freeway, and after ranting about how those sluts at the bowl probably have never been to church and will all burn in hell anyway, she swerved left into GR's Mercedes, and brought them all here. Back in Zion, she looked ahead at Danny and Gabriella, and having been humbled by her own horrific actions, realized the pop star wasn't stealing her soulmate. They were just falling in love. He liked her because, behind the fake tits, the dyed blue hair, and the completely unbelievable mink eyelashes, she was actually a sweet and honest person. 
That's why she made heaven, and this proud Christian didn't. Heaven really was everything Reverend Cutter had described. It's just that Penelope didn't fit in because she was closer to a demon than an angel. Heaven was the only place in existence where there was only the truth. And the truth was, Denny deserved a partner like Gabriella. GR deserved to see all these amazing concerts and experience events with a man as awesome as Denny. And Penelope didn't deserve shit. She had literally spent this entire spell actively trying to limit her boyfriend's paradise by pulling him away from who and what he really wanted. Obviously, it was not enough to make him spend his life with her unfulfilled. She wanted to deprive his eternity as well. Her steps slowed, and the pair continued walking ahead, not missing their third wheel one bit. After a moment, they disappeared completely, and Penelope was all alone. She stood still as the attraction started to fade around her, and she became enveloped in empty space. She stared down at her scuffed kids and pondered the next move, but soon enough, she realized that there was no next move. She had failed. She died with sin on her. A lot of it. With nothing left to do, she decided to sit. She crossed her legs and closed her eyes. Soon, more memories came back, and she began to relive all the infractions that her less enlightened self had undertaken, one by one and she tried her best to focus on them intently so as to forget the fact that Denny and Gabby were probably holding hands right now. That was Turn Around and Trip the Bitch, written, produced, and performed by me, Josh Ramirez. Remember, you can read these on my Wattpad, and we are on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. If you enjoy the content, please share it with your friends and family, and if you feel like it, leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening.